Hong Kong Rita Podcast. So, um, welcome, Chris. It's it's so good to to have you with us. So, I'm very happy to to introduce to everybody my 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 friend uh, of Chris, who I'm very honored to be called my uh, calling my friend. Uh, uh, Professor Chris Tang is uh, has a long list of titles, which I looked up because I can't remember everything that you have you have accomplished. Chris is the um, is, is a distinguished professor and the Edward W. Carter Chair in Business Administration at UCLA's uh, Anderson School. He's also the Senior uh, Associate Dean of Global Initiatives and the Faculty Director uh, Center for, for Global Management. Uh, but, but Chris is also a prolific uh, and very, very uh, productive writer and, and scholar. And he, um, I, I, I looked, at, looked it up and your interest is where you say corporate responsibility, social justice and environmental stewardship uh, intersects. I think that's a, that's a great place uh, and, and such a, such a, um, uh, such a useful uh, um, uh, area of, of research and scholarship that, that is so much needed in the marketplace. Uh, apart from sort of all the, the, the writings that, and you'll, if you sort of Google Chris's name, you'll see all these articles that he's written. And at least I know of at least four books that you are author or co-author of. Um, you are also uh, very much engaged uh, with, with, uh, with, with, popular culture, you know, I see you in, 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 in Forbes and, and on TV at CNBC and CNN and, and Wall Street Journal. And then even in, in this part of the world, in the South China Morning Post and in the China Daily, uh, we, are, we are proud to call Chris one of us from Hong Kong, uh, though he has spent more, more of his time overseas this day, uh, these days. But we, we, uh, we, are, we are very happy to see Chris uh, visiting uh, as a visiting scholar and visiting professor in Hong Kong at, at UST and, and CU and, and, and other places around here. Um, and then finally, uh, I would finish the, the introduction to, to, to say that, that, that uh, I had the privilege of, of, uh, of writing uh, a case with Chris on one of the projects that is actually featured in, in this symposium uh, on, on the Billy system, which is the novel text uh, um, factory that was uh, called uh, Chris did all of the work and I, I took the credit, but it was uh, co-authored by, by Chris and Professor Hao Li at, at Stanford uh, University. So, so Chris, a uh, welcome and thank you for spending time with us uh, today. Thank um, you, Edwin. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we really wanted to, to pick your brains a little bit about, about um, innovation, sustainability, and and then the, the this this ambition that we have uh, this need the crisis that we have to get to a more greener more sustainable a more carbon neutral industry and, and supply chain so so can we begin there by if i can begin there by asking what what does a uh, what could a greener more sustainable fashion supply chain look like well thank you well in this but for this particular topic you will be the experts but maybe I can share with you about what I thought and what, based on what I've read and all this. Now, I think that in terms of the traditional supply chain, with this, let, let's take a step, step back. We have seen this traditional supply chain is more in a linear fashion. 
So you start with virgin materials from cotton, then you make it into fiber, and then you uh, spin it, make it to yarn, and then you make it fabrics, and then you cut it, and then you produce it, and then people buy it, and then they, but then the problem is they dispose them. So if you look at the statistics, people have actually over consuming fashion. In this world, on a yearly basis, according to statistics, we have produced billions and billions of garments. So in the case, the world, it has no shortage of clothes to wear. That is not the problem. The problem, what do you do after you wear them? It turns out, according to survey conducted by McKinsey, 75% of the used garments end up in landfills. Only 1% got recycled. That has to change. We need to change the way we consume, the way we produce, the way we recycle the garments. Otherwise, it's not sustainable. So therefore, the linear supply chain fashion has to change to make it circular. So I think now there's a big movement about circular economy. So I hope that in the future, our fashion supply chain will really focus on the circularity such that we can actually make this cycle complete, starting from the virgin materials, but we reuse the, the materials to re reproduce such that they will make this world more sustainable. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you brought up this, uh, this um, uh, idea of, 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 the, of the linear supply chain because I think that is a, is a very uh, important uh, concept right now. That the, the fashion industry uniquely not only have a linear supply chain, but a very long globalized linear supply chain. Uh, and we are prone to make uh, mistakes in, in, in forecasting of demand uh, so that everybody seems to have their problems with, with uh, dead stock. Uh, can you talk a little bit about how the supply chain possibly can be smarter or, or more accurate? Ah, very good. Well, if you look at all the fashion, especially fast fashion, because consumers, they want instant gratification. They don't want to wait. In the old days, you go to a tailor to make a shirt, then you had to wait. Now, how many people are actually willing to wait to buy a shirt? So that's the problem. That's how the fashion, uh, fashion industry has changed to make it faster. So in the case, you can get the product right now. So, but then a lot of the companies such as Zara, H&M, uh, Uniqlo, uh, even Xi'an, they don't know what the customer wants. But then that's why they leverage the cheap labor uh, before in China, now Vietnam, uh, Bangladesh to produce, mass produce the product in this cookie cutter fashion to mass produce the product at a very low, low cost such that they can sell this fast fashion at low price. But then they're hoping for the best. That means they produce based on forecasts. No matter how short the supply chain is, the forecast is always wrong. So therefore, as a result, a lot of companies end up markdowns. They say, okay, I hope for the best. If I sell it now, if it doesn't sell, I lower the price. So that's why everyone will stock up because when the price is low, people will buy at the outlet store or some other liquid liquidation at a low price and even in the uh, Salvation Army. So therefore, actually, everyone overconsume. Mm -hmm. Once they overconsume, then the price keep on going lower. 
So that's why that I think that is not sustainable. I think in the future we need to be more smarter. Instead of producing according forecast, can we do better? Because now we have sensors, we have virtual fitting, we have scanners, we can have many other capability to reduce the over production.、Hmm. Now that leads to is any way to using、uh, information. Provided by the customers, he said, "Okay, I like this color. I like this cutting. I like this. Can you produce for me?" Now that leads to custom-made product. But then the question is, can we leverage the new technology, like、uh, in terms of 3D scanner, in terms of virtual fitting,、uh, and also even glasses, like Warren、uh, Parker using virtual fitting? Can you actually reduce the customer to choose what they want, such that you can produce now? Of course, everyone's oh my god, that would be too expensive, too costly, as it's not economical. But then, when I visit、uh, a company based in Hong Kong, but their factory in China, TAL company, and the chairman Li told me that hey, they also make custom shirt for Nordstrom. Then he asked, he posed a question to my students. He said, okay, which one is more expensive, mass produced or mass customized products? Then of course, even though well, of course, mass produce will be cheaper. He said it's not clear. Here's why. So I learned from him, from the from the leader. He said, well, for mass produce, I have to do markdown. Quite often, I have to deal with returns. Over forty percent of the products sold online, they return. Think about the carbon emissions we're facing, right?、Mm. But. For mass customized products like your your shirt or your jacket, he said, "Well, we produce for you, Edwin. This is based on the three D scanner. This is a virtual fit, and you agree on the fabric, on the color, and the cut, everything. This is for you. No return." Then he said that if you factor all these costs into the consideration, it's not clear that the mass customized product is actually more expensive. So therefore, I think that we need to change our mindset, even change the consumer's mindset. Maybe we can all can can do mass customized products. So in the case, we、we'll、reduce return. We do not overconsume. So in the case,、mm-hmm. you only need the clothes that you need. So in the case, can reduce consumption. Right, right, right. A, that's a very interesting point.、Um, so, so this is a new way of engaging with with、uh, with the consumer or the customer. Uh, and there are other models like、uh, direct to consumer and and and、uh, all these different types of e-commerce.、Uh, are these necessarily better, or or are they just new? Well, I think it depends on how the direct and consumer model is、uh, executed. I think that for right now, for Xi'an,、uh, is one of the fast growing、uh, fast fashion in the world. Is so cheap, cheaper than Zara, cheaper than H and M. Now that one is because purely based on low cost. They use,、uh, they outsource the the,、uh, the different、uh, supplies. They just ship directly. Now, how can they do so cheap? There is a loophole in our、uh, international export imports、uh, laws. This is called the minimis law.、Right. If you ship something below eight hundred US dollars, you don't need to pay the import tax for to、right. the consumer. So therefore, that's why that when I bought some certain things、uh, on Amazon, it said it was shipped directly from China. How can that be? At one time, I bought the baseball cap, less than seven dollars. 
airship from China. Well, because of this law and also the postage. Now, that one is not sustainable. Mm. Now, but as you mentioned early on, if we can use direct to consumers to engage the consumer into the product design, product production, then in case we can reduce wastage. So depending how it's executed. So for example, uh, if you think I like the idea direct to consumers, like rent a one way, mm. you can rent or buy. Now rents could be good because they can rent, the, the, the government can be reused again by engaging consumers. So that means that they don't need to actually keep on buying new clothes. Now that one may be to reduce consumption that can extend the usage of the garments longer, worn by more people. So that may be reduced the, this kind of wastage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, this, this is all, all very interesting. Um, I think also with, with uh, some of these models, you actually pay for your garment before it is, uh, it is made, right? Oh. Uh, so, so there is no, there's a reduction in inventory risks. So, so potentially there is a, there, there are more, uh, there, there are more margins available for, for the, uh, for, for the, for the seller as well. Um, you and I are right now sitting in, in different parts of the world. And unfortunately the U.S. and China right now are, are, uh, are engaged in a, uh, there are some trade tensions between, between the East and the West, uh, uh, all extends also into the EU. Um, and so recently there's more talk about onshoring or reshoring, and there are certainly more regional focus uh, for, for supply chains. Um, are, is, is that an opportunity for improving the, uh, our supply chains, our, our fashion supply chains, or is, uh, what, what do you think of, of these types of tensions and, and then the opportunities that they bring? Well, I think that is half full and half empty syndrome. Uh, there's no doubt there is tension between US and China. And now many companies, they are diversifying the supply base, uh, maybe shifting from China to China plus one, uh, maybe to India, to Bangladesh, to Vietnam and uh, whatnot. Also, I think that more companies now also try to leverage the USMCA, the free trade agreement. Now, this is triggered by multiple uh, factors. Uh, I think last year we've seen the, the congestion at the ports in Los Angeles uh, because it's the, now there's also uh, there's a threat about the railroad workers may go on strike and then also the union contract in the longshoremen with the port operators, there's still ongoing negotiation. Now, this is US problem. It's nothing to do with China. Then the question is that this now companies say, well, how can I get the products uh, on time and also with resilient supply chain? Mm-hmm. So now companies also need to f- figure how to do that. So one way to do that, I think there is a trend in terms of leveraging the US- USMCA to leverage some of the ports in Mexico because mm-hmm. they're cheaper. And then actually they can import maybe the unfinished garments, unfinished products into Mexico and then they do additional value added activities in Mexico and then ship it to US to do the final assembly such that they can declare that it's made in USA. So in that case, they can take advantage of the import tax free uh, mm-hmm. element. So that will also reduce the cost. And I think company like that because they have feel that it's onshore, near shore, at least a little better control 
Uh, so in the case, especially the COVID lockdown, some companies getting a little bit worried in right. terms of how reliable China's supply chain is going to be. So I think that they need to uh, diversify the supply chains, maybe has a backup supply chain for that as well. So I think that multiple factors trigger this movement. So, but I think that there is a uh, there is a definite movement trying to become closer to the uh, to the land, such that Mexico could be a uh, favorable uh, locations for the U.S. products. The the you know like like recently TSMC is is very high profile in, in opening up uh, domestic manufacturing in the U.S. Uh, do, do you do you do you see that for the fashion industry? Uh, we are cheaper and more labor intensive. Well, I think for chip manufacturing, I think that the Biden administration offer fifty two billion dollars of subsidies. So that is a is a big check. That is quite attractive. Now, for the fashion industry, I think for the maybe for the high end, for the high end, if they want to uh, gauge uh, the uh, difficult market demand, so they, for some of the high end, they may do something within the United States. But otherwise, it's just not possible because right now it would be like in uh, California, our minimum wage is close to seventeen to to twenty US dollars per hour. Mm-hmm. So that is really not uh, economical for them to do the basic uh, garments uh, fashion uh, in the U.S. So I think that unless they can leverage new technology to make it much cheaper, but then they cannot rely on labor workers because the labor force is just way too expensive. Because right now we have a mass resignation. A lot of people are not working. We have a lot of jobs. Uh, we don't have uh, applicants. So that, that is already the problem. So people, they do not want to work on low cost labor work. So unless US can pivot, unless the fashion industry can leverage maybe 3D printing, some of the new technology that would actually uh, transform how fashion is made, then the case that may be possibility. But the traditional garments, I don't think it's economical to do it in the United States. Right, right, right. Yeah, it would be very challenging, right? Um... So, so going back to, to the role of innovation and, and maybe a greener, more sustainable fashion supply chain, where, what do you think the future opportunities are? We have a lot of industry stakeholders and players uh, uh, listening to us talk today. What, what are some suggestions, advice, uh, or, or uh, insights that you, you think might be useful for them? Well, I think going back to the original idea about the circularity of fashion industry. Mm-hmm. So I think that we need to, one, we need to engage or even communicate with the consumers that the way to consume the, uh, the fast fashion is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. So we need them to uh, kind of put in the idea of uh, reduce the consumption, maybe reuse the product, maybe prolong the change of the, the fashion. Right. So that one, we need to educate them. At the same time, I think that the garment, the fashion industry also need to figure how to reduce the wastage. So, for example, how to recycle the materials like uh, the Hong Kong readers inventions on the garment to garment and the green machine is a fantastic development. So how to really recycle, remake the old products into new products. So in the case, we don't need to keep on using the original virgin materials and also educate the consumers. 
it's perfectly fine to use uh, the recycled fabric materials like Lego. Lego now to recycle all the bricks to use it to recycle the old bricks, like the Lego, and then renew the, the new bricks. So I think that is something we need to do that. Now, on top of that, we also need to develop new technology to reduce the consumption of water. Because we know that in the denim genes, genes take, according to study, they take thousands of liters of water to make one pair of genes. That is insane. Mm -hmm. But I think that now the new technology, they use waterless dyeing technology. So right now Adidas is actually working with a Taiwanese company to actually using the new technology. They can dye uh, fabrics in a different color without using water, but it's very expensive. But I think that we need to get the cost down. Right. But once we get there, I think this kind of innovative technology, such as uh, the green machine, such as uh, the waterless dyeing machine, they can actually reduce water consumption. Hopefully, it can actually capture some of the energy being consumed. Right, 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 right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th those are all, all really good points. Um, the, the idea of circularity um, uh, involves a, like to the example they use with Lego, involves a reverse logistics supply chain, which doesn't really exist today. <laughs> what, what, what do you think that, that could look like? What, is there, are there opportunities there that you think we can explore? Absolutely. To getting the, to recycle, to recollect, to use materials is very difficult. H&M, they have the box. You can take your old garment to the store, but how many people do that? So mm -hmm. that means we need to change the business model. One, regulations. Now in, in Europe for the electronic goods, the companies are responsible to actually take back the old materials. Furniture, uh, washing machine, they have to do that. So why not garment? So that means that we need to get all the stores, retailers to actually to be, uh, uh, to be mandatory. So for example, Macy's, okay, so well, we sell clothes, but then you sell so many pieces of garments, you also need to be responsible to get the consumers to return the garments back to the store. Doesn't mean to, they, they bought from your store, but they need to return it because a lot of people, they're not, they don't know what to do with the, uh, the old clothes, then they throw them into the uh, garbage. Uh, so that is really bad, especially most of the garments, the synthetic fibers would take 100 years to decompose. So we need to educate the consumers, your garments like the batteries, like your LED lighting, do not throw it in the trash cans because it's really bad for the environment. So we need to make it uh, the awareness and we also need to make it easier for them to recycle. So I think that maybe uh, we can actually have a recycle bin for not just paper and glass, maybe just for garments as well. So mm -hmm. I think this is something we need to uh, convince the, the public to engage, engage them to be part of the circular economy because otherwise it's virtually impossible because the, the garments is with the, the consumers. They need to take it back. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that we need to provide a, a, a mechanism to do that. I think that that is something uh, that everyone needs to be part of the solutions because we are the problems. We need to convince the consumers to be part of the solution as well. Great, great, great. Uh, Chris, it's always uh, so 
interesting to talk to you. You're, you're so full of, uh, always full of interesting ideas and great ideas and, and, and stimulating thoughts for, for all of us. Uh, thank you for, for, your, for your contribution to, to, uh, to our thought process today. And uh, we look forward to seeing you in person in Hong Kong very soon. So do I. Thank you. Find out more about us at www.hkreader.com. <laughs>